All right. Cue up the previously on voiceover. A sample I can't find. So there it is. Previously on Pod Like a Hole. So, yes, if you hadn't listened to the first half of this conversation, I encourage you to do so because you're only going to get only so much on this episode where we lead off talking about track something or other middle of the way through you did actually have to flip the vinyl or flip the cassette song that's coming up next is what will greet you and that song is called malpractice something that i committed by editing this thing into two episodes so here we go back to your normally scheduled program. It is time to investigate if the doctor committed malpractice. <laughs> Transitions night. Transitions night or aces. I mean, it uh, certainly gives you a little bit of an assault. Mike Patton, um, if you look at the breadth of his career, you definitely think that he does never want to go under the knife. Um, Greg, are you going to have to sue your doctor for malpractice? If I can get Saul Goodman on my side, maybe I could, but... um... Yeah, th- this song has always been just so, like, creepy to me, um, but I, I love it. I mean, it's definitely, like, one of the heaviest and creepiest songs on the album. Um, from that documentary, I do remember um, uh, Mike is actually showing this to uh, Jim Martin, so I, I believe this is one of the songs that, that Mike Patton came up with uh and was just kind of 
that you you can hear it in the arrangement that it it changes tempos it changes like time signatures it's kind of all over the place there's definitely a lot of mr bungle influence in there um but it's it's heavy and it, it's great it, it's definitely one of my favorites of like the the heavier darker sounding songs on here um this was another one that that uh i was used to try to to cover with uh with my band that like it's it's a lot it's a challenge to to shift to like to different different times and um there's a I know there's a sample in here that that Roddy uses from uh, Kronos Quartet a bunch, and that was always the thing that really like hit a nerve in me. Just the the sound of those strings. I I would want to just like listen to that repeatedly because it would just really hit this this kind of weird uh, fascination with that 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 creepy sound and um, yeah. And and given with the song title and and the lyrics in this song, it it is definitely a, a very unsettling, disturbing sound overall. Um, and uh, yeah, I I love it. it. It even though it is, it's not the kind of thing that I know um, other people would really enjoy so much. It, it's definitely not an inaccessible song but uh but i love it i i I love uh just how how it shifts between these different uh different feels so uh schizophrenic like you mentioned before i mean steven i feel like malpractice is in your wheelhouse and the uh type of sound that it's performing it's very grindy it's very just put it through this sausage grinder and see what comes out um am i am i wrong on malpractice on my assessment for what you think about this song no i i'm a big fan of malpractice it um i think it sits next to caffeine with its intensity um in 2001 or two when i went to one of the ipecac new year's eve shows that was when uh, Mike Patton and the Dillinger Escape Plan played that EP in its entirety, and they opened up with the cover of Malpractice, and everybody lost their shit because this was before the internet existed, and we didn't know they were going to do that. Um, and it was a perfect me- perfect mix of uh, a band, Dillinger Escape Plan, and uh, artists that influenced them. Uh, the uh, and again, this is another track on this record. Like Greg said, not very accessible. This song. This is a heavy track, and the fact that this was a, a major label uh, track blows my mind. It's a heavy song. It's got a lot of screaming in it. It's got a lot of time changes. Um, it's got that that part where it kicks into the da 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 da. You're like, whoa, what? It's like I'm trying to keep up with where this thing's going here. Um. In addition to all the heaviness to it, though, uh, like Greg said as well, Roddy's over here pulling like Kronos Quartet samples and you've got strings over here and this this weird like uh, church bell sound at certain points. It's kind of sounds like a graveyard. Um, and then it, it's it got that little bit where it sounds like a uh, like a music box <laughs> in the middle of it. And it all slows down for a second before it starts getting heavy again. It's a crazy little mix. Yeah. And then uh, 
at the end of it, Patton's kind of screaming in the distance and he sounds like he's in an echo chamber and it has a very cinematic uh, feel to it. And this band loves its cinema. This band, this band loves to, especially in the next record, King for a Day, to me, feels like a movie. Uh, the end of this track, I just it sounds like a man being buried alive to me, um, which is what they were going for. I think this is a great song. Eric, are you feeling the uh, manhole covers and the chuds coming out on this song for you? Kind of am, kind of am, yeah. Um, the drums are just loud and huge. I can see why Greg was trying to push it on his band. You know, regardless of what the rest of you guys are going to do, I want to play these the the drums on this. Yeah, I, I get it. They're massive. Um, almost the beats, almost industrially, uh, which gets me, which gets me going a little bit. Um, Eric, it this is, is a little the, hard to groove. If, if you watch that four hours of making of, this is the one where they Patton was directly influenced by Godflesh in this. He said, "Hey." That part right there, that kind of sounds like Godflesh when he was showing the band how he wanted well, there you it to go. sound. There you go. There you go. Uh, it, at, it, at parts, it's a little hard to groove to, a little herky-jerky. Um, but if you have the patience for it, uh, it gets really industrially at about the three-minute mark. Breakdown for the ages. It's a cool song. Yeah, it's challenging, but I, I, I like it. It's, 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 it's a cool track. I mean, this is certainly one of the most chaotic songs off the record. There's just no going around it. I mean, if uh, you think about it, when you look at um, the future vision of Mike Patton going into Disco Volante uh, relatively soon after this, you see some of the, the chaos of that record on this particular song. Um, it's, it's not one of my favorites. It, it certainly is a grinder. It, uh, definitely f- makes you work for the, uh, the enjoyment out of this song. Um, but if you're fully invested in what Mike Patton is, uh, really cooking in the kitchen, this song is going to, uh, feed the beast. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all I'll say about malpractice. So let's go into kindergarten, where I hope that uh, as we all age and our children uh, find a way to develop outside of kindergarten, this song is going to touch on those particular aspects. So here's kindergarten. Deep shit right there. Never leave. Maybe 
Greg. Uh, what kind of uh, uh, drawings did you do in kindergarten? Was it something that was something that needed to have a counselor present? Or was it something that uh, was all sunshine and rainbows? I, I would say definitely uh, there was a counselor involved. Because um, even at that time, you know, the influence of my brothers listening to Metallica and Primus, I was probably drawing some weird stuff. Um, you don't gravitate to a fucking weirdo like Eric if you're not drawing some weird things. So. Yeah. <laughs> Given that I, I'm I'm the only one of the four of us tonight who who do not have kids, but um, kindergarten is. Uh, What's the holdup? As your in-laws probably say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I mean that this is still it, it's a good song like like Faith the More. I mean especially on this album, there's there's not really a a bad song, but like, this is probably one of my least favorite. Um, it's still, it still has some cool parts, but, uh, especially coming right after malpractice, which is like you said, is probably one of the most chaotic songs. Um, kindergarten is probably one of the most like subdued kind of even keel, uh, steady, slower rock songs on the album. Um, you know, I, I, I don't always pay a whole lot of attention to the lyrics. And so the, the, the music for me is like, it's okay, but it, it doesn't stand out a whole lot, especially in comparison to so much of the rest of the, the album. It's a, a but it, it is in the sequence of the whole thing it does work as kind of a, just a chance to slow down a little bit because as we get into uh, the next few songs, as we, we build up toward the end, you know, it, it definitely kind of, kind of builds towards something. So this is a, a good choice for sequencing um, and, and a, a good choice for, for kind of setting it up to to be able to go somewhere from here, so that that's I mean, really, it's about all I can say about it. Eric, I, I know that you're a teacher. Um, how do you feel about uh, uh, flirting with the kindergarten teachers? By the way, Greg, I love how you sidestep Mark's question about about what's the hold up on kids. Masterclass, inappropriate question, absolutely inappropriate question, and you just. You've done it before. Fantastic. Well done. Uh, oh, yeah. Any appropriate uh, <laughs> questions are my stock and trade, Eric. We all know this. It's true. That's true. I could tell some stories. Uh, but kindergarten, you know, listen, flirting with the kindergarten teachers. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, not a lot of turnover in the kindergarten teachers. A lot of them. A lot of them are my grandma's age. Still going. Still going strong. Um, but, right on. Uh, right on. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the oh, most Granny. experienced. Are you Granny trying to Gra seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? <laughs> the the return of Granny Grabber, uh, Steve's side <laughs> character, uh, alter ego. Yeah. But uh, Boom and Granny. Uh, Boom and Granny. <laughs> but kindergarten, you know, 
I like the song is about the dangers of nostalgia. Um, and there's a couple like kind of great little images return to my own vomit, like a dog, like just lapping up the, the same shit, just living in this kind of bubble you create for yourself of nostalgia. I mean, we all do it. That's the whole point of the show, but, um, ah. you know, just being stuck in the memories of the past. Um, that's a different vibe for sure. Um, that, you know, I think we all try to at least uh, explore, explore outwards on new things from time to time. Um, but uh, this song is about those that don't. Um, I can't so can't help but think there's something like Curzy about uh, Jim Martin's guitar work. I, I can't really explain it. It's just a little reverby lead guitar during the verses. Um, I appreciate that. Probably the most rapping on this track from uh, from uh, Mr. Patton. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but at two minutes, there's this synth and drum breakdown and the mm-hmm. bass just starts warming up. And then we get a bass solo at about two thirty. Yeah. Uh, that kicks me right in the cock. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I rank this one maybe lower on the album, but I, I mean, I find it engaging. Um, the low points are, are still, uh, not a waste of time. Steven, uh, do you have as an awakened sexual, uh, uh, feeling that Eric did for kindergarten. Uh, no, I also in kindergarten. No, I did not have a, my kindergarten teacher was, uh, Mrs. Robertson. There's no way she's alive still. Um, but, uh, no, this is actually one of my favorite songs in the album. It's kind of a sleeper hit. Um, I just think the song has a really good level of quality to it. Uh, I don't think it's always jumped out at me. It was a few years ago where I was like, oh, hold on a second. I love Kindergarten, the song. And um, a lot of it has to do with the bass work that uh, Eric is talking about. Um, but uh, a couple things that really do get me about this song that elevate it for me is that bass line that takes a walk right into a legit bass solo. And it's a good fucking bass solo. It's a uh, good shit. Um, I could hear the guitar cure. I can hear the cureness that you're talking about, uh, Eric. I can hear that, uh, his work there that uh, reminds you of the cure. I like that. It's got, I've got in my notes, the guitar work here paints a great atmosphere. I mean, the riff is good, but it does like this atonal squelch stuff. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, maybe. Um, I, uh, the lyrics, though, I, I, I like the, the rapping style of the lyrics. But um, what does it for me is the, uh, the towards the closing, the where there's that that bit where the vocals, yeah, the closer, the closing to this track is what I like the most about it. The last, uh, I like the song with the last like forty five seconds really do it for me. It's a good one. I, I dig this track. Yeah, Kindergarten's great. I mean, uh, it's one of the few contributions that Jim Martin brought to the record. And uh, you can hear it. You can hear it in the little little guitar chimes in, in here. Um, yeah, there's not much more to add to what you have all uh, uh, talked about kindergarten. It's certainly one of the more underappreciated songs off the record. Um, but it's good. It's good. That that. So with that, hold on. Before you move on, that 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 bit where the bass line like the dude. Do 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 
That's great shit. Held back. Oh, it's fantastic. Held back again. The whole held back again. I mean, uh, Billy Gould is always the secret sauce. He is always Thousand Island dressing on every fucking Faith No More song. Woo! All right. It's time to get aggressive with Be Aggressive. And here we go. I mean, I don't know how else to really say it, but it was written by Roddy Bottom and he wanted to hear Mike Patton say, I swallow, I swallow. Um, You know, sometimes I want to hear Steven say, I swallow. But uh, before we hear Steven say, I swallow, Eric, Eric, my God, my God, Greg, you're always batting lead off on this. Are you swallowing, be aggressive, or are you spitting it right back up? Oh, Eric's going to have to answer that, Greg. Greg, you do not have to answer that. Choices. Mark's going to have choices to make when he edits this episode, and I'm looking forward to what he does. I certainly wish I could have spit back the moment when my mom uh, walked into me listening to this song (laughs) right during the probably worst point in this song that she could have heard. What were you uh, doing at the time, though, Greg? <laughs> you know, enjoy, enjoying a popsicle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, just doing homework and, uh, and doing homework. Had... Yep. Quote. quote what, is, what is that a euphemism for? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. The, like you just said, this was one of those songs that uh, that Roddy wrote. And was just like, let me see if I can get Mike to sing this. And Mike was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And uh, and had no problem with it. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's about what you can kind of figure out what it's about. Uh, but, it, you know, otherwise, it's a it's a pretty standard sounding rock song. Uh, it's got some cheerleaders in the background to uh, to sing along with it, which is which is kind of fun. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's something fun, uh, not necessarily when your mom walks in, when you're doing homework and she happens to hear, uh, Mike singing about ejaculation and all that <laughs> stuff. But, uh, yeah, 
it was because at the time like it's funny because even my my mom actually did actually enjoy a lot of the same stuff that we listened to that my my brothers and I listened to as as kids uh Primus and and Nine Inch Nails and all that and she you know she was a big Mike Patton fan she knew he had a sense of humor and so um I'm sure this was not great for her to to hear him singing about that stuff. Uh, that was a little bit of a bit of a shock. But um, but yeah, this was uh, this this made for this song made for an embarrassing moment from my childhood that I still remember. But <laughs> Greg, but just speaking still, of, uh, speaking on your mom before we move on, I will I will say I remember your mom was probably the biggest Mystery Science Theater fan out of all of us. I feel like she she yeah. She, she like she definitely she, was. She kept like a, a a recorded VHS collection of all the episodes. She took us to the movie in the theater and watched it with us. She did. Was, yeah, yeah. Yep. She was great. Yeah. Yep. She was big. I mean, even when when I I would want to go to Zia Records and uh, and find some new music to listen to, I I do remember finding um, uh, Nine Inch Nails fixed, and she looked at the back of it and saw the album, the song title fist fuck <laughs> and just kind of uh just kind of shrugged and was like huh these albums tried titles. that once and 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 let me buy it anyway so you know that's <laughs> parental advisory be damned but uh yeah that's uh it i still felt embarrassed all the same but she let me buy it anyway <laughs> greg had the cool but- mama <laughs> that's but, uh that's yeah, she's for cool. sure she's she's cool I don't, she's cool yeah. <laughs> i i don't know what's happening in the uh, state of arizona but i will say that uh greg and eric's parents seem to most be the most sexually free well, i don't know Good about greg's you. parents but but uh yeah mine yeah, there's 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 dime store novels that are written about about mine but yes yeah. I really hope one day Lennox and uh, Tallulah's grandkids listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Where are we at? Be aggressive. Eric or Steven, are you uh, being aggressive? Really getting down on those skin knees? Yeah, this is a this track is much more than a a jokey one. Um, I mean, it is it is kind of a tossed off joke track in a way. But when you actually you listen to it and you get past the uh, the uh, the lyrical content, um, I mean, I, I you got it. You know, the the big organs. I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of the the keyboard work here. The the bass work has a good thump to it, and uh, there's a section where uh, the bass and drums are on fire and they're locked in together during like those cheerleader chants. Um, this this is one that like I'm not gonna put on angel dust and just be like, I want to list. I want to start with be aggressive, but it's placement in the record. I, I think it uh, has, it has a good place. It, it kind of is a uh, future vision of the insanity you're going to get on the next record. If you put this in there, like it, it could follow behind cuckoo for caca and be right at home uh, with the kind of just uh, n- n- nutso stuff that goes on. And uh, Marilyn Manson totally ripped it off uh, on his, uh, was it mob scene? Is that the album? I can't remember which album it is, Mark, but Marilyn Manson totally has a song that sounds just like this. 
You're right. I mean, uh, there's definitely a cheerleading uh, aspect on that uh, golden age of grotesque. And uh, we've referenced Marilyn Manson twice on this episode, and that's twice too many. But be aggressive. I mean, it is an oral sex song uh, with cheerleaders in tow um, to give any sort of uh, fan of uh, professional sports a little bit of uncomfort. Uh, This song is one of those things that uh, Mike Patton loves to dabble himself in in terms of inappropriateness. Um, and Roddy Bottom was certainly the catalyst for this song. I, I like this song. I remember hearing about this song when I first listened to this record, knowing that this song existed. I don't know. It's it's be aggressive. It's good. It's not great. So let's go into the well, next well, well, song. I, which I, is- I, have a, I have an opinion on this song. Mark, ah. thank you very much. Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you go very ahead and, uh, put Jesus sure. Christ. I like this song a lot. Did Wait, we not David, get to David, we, we no. not get to Eric? No, it's I'm right. sorry. It's right. I'm it's sorry. Right. It's been, you know what? It's been a while. It's been a while since we totally forgot about Eric. It, I, we used to do that all the time. That's great. <laughs> Feels like home again. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, Greg has been uh, a a fantastic guest, and sometimes I'm just like, let's let's vibe with just the three of us. So you guys are vibing. Great work. Okay. Yeah. God God damn it, Greg! You've done it again. I'm working on the replacement. That's 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 all right. They've told me I'm expendable from the day one. So, Uh, but they uh, all all I will say is uh, uh, Roddy's organ work. Oh, on this just get you pumped. Um, I love the cheerleaders. Uh, it is a gross, stupid rock song, but it is, it, it, it works. And in a way it's subversive. It's punk. It's a major label rock band in with its knees in the heavy metal world. That is gayer than a, been a three dollar bill as as another uh, as one of their uh, proteges would 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 name an album, and uh, and I love it. I love it for that. I love it for that. It's out. It's out there in the open. And they're having fun with it, and uh, and the song kind of cooks. So yeah, this the uh, Angel Dust doesn't exist uh, in its form without this particular track. I agree. I don't think you can cut it from the from the record. It's no, you, can't, you don't need to cut it from the record. It's a good song. It's just, um, it, it definitely, it it just it paints the picture of Angel Dust, and still this in RV. If like you know, I doubt I'm putting either one of them on and not listening to the rest of the record, but it's still a, not a bad track. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Would you call Eric pulling that off a small victory? I would, and not just a small victory. We're going to see some hups. We're going to see some Casio keyboards. We're going to see a small victory. And we're going to determine whether it's a big victory.
This is this is another one that was uh, a big hit off the record, um, and it, it was something that that took time to grow on me a bit more. Um, and it, again, like I'm I'm never really uh, paying a whole lot of attention to the lyrics. I I get more like hooked on the, the music initially, and then. If the lyrics happen to be good on top of that, then it's then it's kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. Then then I then I truly really like a song. Um, so lyrically, I I still haven't really figured out a whole lot what what the song is going for, but I do like that it goes through so many different styles um, that it. it it has some uh, some great melodies in it. Um, more, you know, we'll get into the music video for it. Um, but but the song itself, I, I do like a lot. Uh, it was definitely kind of in contention for one of my favorites off of the album because it has so many really good. It's it's able to mix so many like different styles and feels and still mm-hmm. feel like a really good cohesive song um and that i i do enjoy listening to it a lot um initially you know when i was younger when i first heard it and the the, the melody first starts in i just kind of felt like oh this isn't really going to be for me it's not heavy enough but you just have to give it you have to listen all the way through because it, it does get heavy at times and it does get it has some cool it has some cool samples in it that that at this point sound uh a bit dated but for the time like i I think they still they still worked pretty well um the video you know you you guys can talk more about the video too but uh personally like i tried watching it again and it's (laughs) it's just it's just funny that they spent so much money on that. And it's like there, there are apparently they, they did actually get nominated for some, uh, some art direction for the video. And I can kind of see where that's coming from. But overall, I still feel like the, the video for this song is rather cringy. Um, and doesn't really feel like faith no more like their, their own personality. And that's why I feel like, you know, uh, everything's ruined feels so much more like, like them. And, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's a bit different, but, uh, but, you know, separating from the video, the, the, the music itself, I, I think is, uh, it's still 
a pretty cool song, and I still think it it has a lot of what Faith the More has to offer that everybody kind of gets a chance to to shine on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, we're we're certainly in like the Johnny Depp version of Mike Patton, um, and. <laughs> I mean, even he said that he was uh, thinking that Small Victory looked like a a perfume com- mm-hmm. commercial. Um, I don't know. Like, this is the song that, uh, as Stephen alluded to, uh, everything was about drugs. Uh, you know, uh, a hierarchy spread out on the nightstand, meaning like a bunch of drugs like that a person was going to do upon either waking up in the middle of the night or right before bed or right in the morning. Um, But looking at what the song is actually about is the fact that Mike Patton, his dad was a PE coach and really into competition. Uh, It it really did give me a different um, perspective of this song. Um, Eric, what do you think of a, a small victory? Are you opening the dojo uh, to a small victory? Yeah, sure. I kind of like this track. Uh, the, you know, the as far as the what it's what it's about. Um, I I didn't get the drug vibes from it. I think, but part of it was I I kind of read about it first. But um, Mike Patton saying that his dad was a coach and like just kind of uh, like looking at this thing that like winners winners in a certain, to a certain degree lacked character. It's, it's those that lose that know life. And, um, and the fact that there's all these stories that are buried because the history is written by the winners. And anyways, this kind of stuff. Sounds like something a loser would uh, say. Yeah. Well, I did a lot of that in my life. So maybe (laughs) I, maybe I gravitated towards that. Um, but I, like it i like i like how his vocals go with the harmonic guitar riff it's almost like like (laughs) take my breath away by uh berlin um but done by faith no more and that's okay with me i i i like that catchy lick um and then at some point uh when it starts rocking i like the bump 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 like dance synth hits uh that's great um I enjoy that that piece. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, it's not it's not a top tier track on the record, but it is it is a quality track. I think it adds a, it it adds a little uh, layer of emotion as we reach the end. Um, and uh, yeah, quality. The video um, is 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 silly. The video is silly. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. So Eric is not feeling the Dunkirk of all of uh, Small Victory video, but uh, Stephen, are you feeling triumphant for this song? Yeah, the video, the videos, uh, whatever. I, I actually think it's funny that they have a a video in their discography that is so, uh, yeah, like he said, looks like a perfume ad. Um, they've got many other great videos. <laughs> this one is not one of them. Not bad. It's kind of amusing. The it's like there's a lot of like wistful looking into the distance uh, as they're 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 dressed up like a Calvin Klein ad and amongst a battlefield. Very very bizarre choices. That video. 
Um, but the song itself, you know, this song is a one. It was a grower for me for years. I was like, oh yeah, small victory is okay. I really like this song now. Um, and it started a couple of years ago when I just was keyed into that closing moment where it says, uh, there's that part where it's, uh, I can't remember, you know, something with one constant rhythm at one constant pitch right into your ear. You still don't hear. You still won't hear. You still won't hear that whole bit right there. I don't know, man. Once I, I kind of, that clicked for me. Um, the rest of the song became better retroactively. And, uh, you know, it's got that really pretty melody that's got that, like, uh, you know, exotic flair to it. Um, it's also got that bit, though, that, you know, Greg was saying, there's that heavy part where, you know, playing God. And then Roddy gets his, you know, doot, doot, woo. And it's this total 1992 sample, which then goes into air raid sirens, followed by Jim Martin doing really heavy guitar riffs. Um, I, I think that all fits together really well. And uh, I think it's actually a really good song. I, I I never disliked it, but now I don't skip it. It's a showpiece to me. Uh, I'm a big Small Victory fan. You still won't hear. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, like, it's, uh, it's probably their, I don't know, most um, involved song you get like the dojo, the dojo opening at the beginning and Mike Patton looking like a sexy, just dude in the video. Um, and everything just seems to be connecting on this song. I mean, it seems like a pretty great follow-up, uh, single for midlife crisis. If you all think about it, I mean, it's not one of those songs that, um, necessarily encapsulate what faith and more is capable of doing i mean especially if you look at the like the big sound that they try to achieve with uh some of the singles that they released for album of the year but this song definitely has um the foundation for some of those uh previous songs i i love small victory at first i thought it was kind of goofy especially with roddy bottom uh keyboard breakdowns where incubus the band was uh like genesis out of this song uh i feel like those type of bands really like looked at this particular song and just were like that's the template Small victory is a uh, large victory for me. I, I like this song. So let's go into the next track, which is the song that uh, might have a little weirdness in the connotations for it, but it's called Crack Hitler.
So that was Crack Hitler. Uh, Greg, are you... I'm gonna edit yeah, myself I, I and not there's say no that. Way, there's no way to do this nicely. Just <laughs> Are you seeking <laughs> to crack Hitler? Alright, uh, forget that I said that. Um, well, Greg, as what do established, you think of crack Mark, Hitler? you are the you're, Mark, you're the only one. <laughs> yeah. You're the only one marching with Crack Hitler tonight, uh, as you said, as your method approach to Angel Nest. There's no good segue. Um, it's a callback. It's called a callback. Yeah, this like this is one that it's always been kind of stuck in my brain just because like, um, I remember my, my brother saying like, they, they just, they never really liked this song, uh, for what it was. Um, when it's funny, like watching that, that behind the scenes documentary, um, they always, the, the band always called this song um, Action Adventure when they were working on it. And from that perspective, it kind of makes me enjoy it a little bit more because like it's like they were going for this like action superhero sort of character that they they that, that and that's kind of what Mike uh, created in in the lyrics. And it, it makes it sort of a little bit more enjoyable to listen to in that way. But um, I, I've just always felt like this was... It's weird because in my mind, I, I always felt like this was more of like almost an instrumental song, even though there are, there are lyrics and vocals in it, just because of the way that they are, are more spoken. Mm-hmm. Um and there are some singing parts, but it, it, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it, it's never been a, a really, never been a song that I've really like wanted to listen to, but I, I still, I don't know. It has some cool parts, but it doesn't stand out for me as much. It's, it's kind of one of the, the lower points personally, uh, for me, but even though it, it does still have some kind of cool parts, the, the way that it, it changes tempo and slows down and goes into the like chanting uh, with the drums and everything. That's that's a bit heavier and it's kind of cool. And then it goes back into like the the funkier parts that I don't know. It it just doesn't really have as much momentum for me. But yeah, that's a, that's about all I can say about it. I mean, uh, crack Hitler, it, it, it might not be for everybody. I mean, just based off the uh, song title, um, Eric, are you, uh, sharing a little crack with Hitler? <sighs> not this time, <laughs> not this time. Um, I'm not even going to do a direct quote, but Billy Gould describes the song as, well, let's just say one of the funniest things about the song is it's about somebody who's not who's colored, a colored person. Billy Gould says, "Not a good look, Billy Gould." Um, but uh, the song itself, musically, there's a cool little guitar and slap bass, like uh, like uh, heavy metal porno music that I think is fun. Other than that, it does get into like this pilgrimage. Um, Fuhrer marching with a lot of haze in the air, which is always kind of fun and cinematic, um, especially since this song's not actually about a Hitler. Once again, Billy Gould, you could have avoided that comment. 
for what it's actually about, but I'll let the internet just look at Wikipedia for that. Um, this is a low, low tier song for me. Well, that's interesting. Steven, are you, uh, are, are you also feeling that we need to, uh, uh, call the allies in on Craig Hitler? Uh, no, well, I don't think it's a bad song. I think it's, uh, on a great album, one of the lower tier songs. Cause you, you know, not everything can be an A plus. It's one of the weirder songs in the album, followed by the next track, which is also weird. But uh, yeah, this is probably my least favorite song on the album, but I don't dislike it. I don't skip it. It's just a weirdo. Um, I think being subjected to it for decades, I kind of know what I'm getting into with it. So, you know, that's just so, oh, yeah, as we as we round towards the great last track on this album, you get through these, <laughs> these couple of weirdo songs. Um, two things I do like about it is three things the action adventure thing makes sense because it's got that streets of san francisco waka 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 guitar um i like during the verses uh mike Patton sounds like he's uh he's kind of like assaulting you from the darkness um which is a delivery he will bring back on the next record in a couple of tracks and also he does some of the ghost child voice on this one that he uses on a lot of phantomos songs uh, the ghost child voice. You'll know it when you hear it. And uh, yeah, you know, they can't all be zingers, as Les would say. Yeah, I mean, Crack Hitler is not uh, an offensive song by any means. I mean, it's just one of those things that uh, just kind of happens. I do think that it's pretty interesting that the the beginning of the song, I mean, it's a Streets of San Francisco show. I mean, that's what's happening here in the song. And the uh, the beginning of the track has a Brazilian woman who apparently even sued the band because she uh, was not acceptable for the uh, the sample that they used. But yeah, it's just just watch the movie Blow by Johnny Depp and you'll get the hint. Uh, so that's Crack Hitler. Um, the next song is something that uh, I will probably do five minutes after we close out this recording. Uh, that song is called Jizz Lover. <laughs> I uh, don't even know. <laughs> Damn it, Mark. <laughs> don't know. Take that a few ways. We have a guest. Shit, I'm sorry. I forgot to put my white butler gloves on. Um, but uh, here's Jizzlobber.
So uh, that was Jizz Lopper, and we're not talking about the George Lucas version of jazz that the Cantina Band from uh, Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope was playing. Greg, um, how far do you uh, lob your jizz? Greg, well, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> Greg, you don't have to answer. That. <laughs> uh, well, you stole all our thunder on that on that title. Uh, that's see, that's one of those things that when it came out, to me, that title was just like a funny word, kind of like the the title for the movie Jabberwocker. That, that I thought was kind of funny, but you know, it wasn't until a few years later that I realized exactly what, um, what was going on there. Um, but man, aside from all that, the, <laughs> the first thing that, that really struck me, of course, with this song is the drums. Um, when the drums come in, that, that is still to this day, one of my favorite drum beats um it is just fantastic um of course a few years after hearing this i i I think it was when eric was playing uh some nirvana for me (laughs) trying to get me into nirvana that i realized that uh scentless apprentice actually has a very similar drum beat to this there there's a few differences but it's very similar but um but i believe uh Mike Borden beat Dave Grohl to the punch on this one, but it's just, it's such an awesome drum part. It's a super heavy song. Um, the, the chords that they use, I mean, this is what, this is the Mr. Bungle influence coming into, into fake the more with just like those super heavy, uh, <laughs> as they were, uh, accused at the time Mr. Bungle of, of having uh, kind of satanic inducing guitar chords um, this this song definitely has that in spades and it's uh, lyrically I mean I, I've heard that that Mike Patton has said that like this is kind of about his fear of being in prison Um and you can totally get that from it. Uh, at the same time, Billy Gould has also said that he thinks it's about uh, a porn star. And that kind of makes sense at the same time. But uh, I still feel inclined to to go with Mike's Mike Patton's version. Um, and it, it's, it is a super heavy song. The, the rhythms that Mike Patton does with his vocals during the chorus are one of the coolest things that I've ever heard along with the, along with the drums and the, the guitar riff is still like it, it totally blew me away when I first heard it when I was 12 years old and I still love it to this day. Um, it's a, it's just awesome. And, um, and now being more matured and kind of looking at the whole song and, and the way that it goes in the end and the way that it goes into these big like church organs. Uh, I, I thought that was a, just a weird choice at the time, but now I, I see it as this kind of redemption story for this, this character that is 
is in prison and it you know it 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 fades out with him saying that he's whatever he's, he's sad for what he's he's done he's sorry you know repeating over and over and then it just fades out into these church organs and it's this kind of like redemptive story of this character in in prison for whatever it is that he's done and uh it, it's it's pretty amazing um uh unfortunate title uh that that still fits for what it is uh, i would love to cover the drums for this song i i still don't know yet how i would title that for uh <laughs> for youtube that would be a little a little tricky but um it, it's still you know it's always been one of my favorite uh faith the more songs musically the 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 rhythms in it it's that drum beat is just fantastic it's uh it's one of the best i've ever heard it's it's solid and it's so much fun to play i mean uh steven um what's the distance on uh lobbing your jizz on this one yeah this song this uh, i agree with almost everything greg that really is uh, like this, like really like Greg was saying, big church sound. And in my notes, the, the outro on this song is the whole point of the song to me. The outro is 10 out of 10 outros. Just these, these like you got Mike Patton's wailing about something. And then it just goes into this coda of a church organ. And it just sounds so big. It's not the band ghost. They took their whole sound from that goddamn the end of the song. Because it's so like I don't kind of like RV and uh, be aggressive. I don't just put this song on. It's too goddamn weird, but it's got enough going on to where in the place of this record, it works well. I also think it uh, it planted a seed in my mind for my future fandom at the time for bands like Neurosis and whatnot that would just have like the drone section in this this one, the, the heavy riffs in this one, the slow riffs. That's all kind of. I could see that. I could see how a teenager listening to this could have become a fan of Neurosis. So that's my uh, opinion of jizzlobbing, jizzlobber, both. For sure. I mean, uh, Eric, if you were to uh, uh, put a race on some plexiglass, uh, 
How how smeared is that plexiglass for this song? Fucking disgusting, Mark. He's describing <laughs> he's describing the, the album cover load by Metallica. Mark, I'm blushing over here. My goodness. My goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, Greg, uh, I'm gonna ignore Mark's question entirely, but I would say uh you're you're asking like is it about a porn star is it about prison well the prison thing made me think of the first jizz lobber i remember in popular media where my parents had me watch uh a silence of the lambs with them and clarice first goes down into the dungeon and meet comes face to face with the jizz lobber and that was very disturbing to me at the time um so i'm gonna go with your prison your prison uh 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 analysis of the lyrics uh but beyond that, and a, uh, a Mark Bate uh, song title, uh, I would say that Jizz Lobber is quality track. It's a nice, uh, it gets big, uh, uh, great screams from Mike, huge riffs, uh, super evil, evil sounding riff with synth pounds, almost like uh, John Carpenter synths at some point in the background. Um, I think this gives you a little end of the album catharsis. I like it. Yeah, Jizzlobber has a really good snail trail. Um, I think that uh, it's a good song, and um, I don't have anything else to add to that besides Jim Martin putting um, his hands all over the shaft of this song. And it's it's a good one. So uh, well, we can move on. Because it, it is getting late. <laughs> you were um, going to be the born Greg, to cover this song, Mark. You were born to cover this Greg, song. This is Greg's already the a only cowboy. one. I know Greg is going to be our midnight cowboy as we close out this particular album with Midnight Cowboy. So that was an instrumental version of Midnight Cowboy, uh, giving us ourselves a little Burt Bacharach action um, after the uh, smoke break of Jizz Lobber. Um, are you walking here, Greg? <laughs> yes, uh, this is this is a great closer. Um, and that's funny, you, you mentioned Burke Bacharach. Did did he actually compose this original track? I believe so. I, I think it's John Barry. Um, he penned the instrumental, but uh, Burke Bacharach with uh, the rest of Midnight Cowboy soundtrack. You know, okay. it is. Yeah. But, so that makes sense because throughout that documentary, uh, several of them, especially like. Billy and Roddy uh, mention that they are big fans of, of Burt Bacharach and uh, and yeah the, the, I think this works really well for closing out the album um, it, they do a really good cover of it it, it is a cool you know a, a nice song that it did that still that they're able to uh, get a really big sound from in in the middle when it really opens up with with everybody 
Uh, it, it sounds big and uh, that they do really a really solid cover in it. It it puts a nice cap, especially after um, the end of of Jizzlobber with the with all the the organs. This is just kind of a nice a nice finish to the album, even though it it sounds so it it, it sounds different from the majority of the album, but it still works really well. And it's still just like, yeah, this is what we want to do. We want to end with a cover and that's, and that's awesome. And it, and it just, I don't know. It, it works really well. I, I think it's a, a good one. It certainly is. It opens faith no more up to a whole nother area where they're able to, uh, cover like, uh, I started a joke easy. I feel like this is the, uh, the threshold that they had to carry through Eric. Um, are you putting on your, uh, your tassels for midnight cowboy? Yeah, sure. am. sure. am. sure. am. Yeah. And you get some, like, uh, not only do you get some like early vibes of what Phantomos would do with, uh, soundtrack covers, um, which I can't wait to talk about in the next episode. Uh, you also get that it perfectly captures the uncomfortable feeling a few times on this entire record, but they they bottle it in the song of sitting next to John Voight in a dark movie theater as he zips his pants down. <laughs> um, and uh, so I think the Midnight Co- Cowboy cover is a great closer. It does feel like you're riding out into the sunset uh, after leaving a, a, a sticky, uh, six, sticky sex club. Um, and uh yeah the instrumentation's great um and it works it it's a good it's a good cap it's a good cap and it and like i said i when i listened to it i was like ooh we get to talk about director's cut yay that's what that's that, that was my first thought when i heard it so um that's <laughs> all i got to say about this one steven midnight <laughs> cowboy uh, are you uh, following the politics of John Voight on this one? It's the closest I've ever aligned with John Voight. Um, no, this is a uh, this this is probably one of my top twenty album closers uh, of all time. I uh, I mentioned earlier I used to have this album on cassette and just driving to my crappy Toyota Corolla at the time. When this song would come on, I would turn it up, and when it was done, sometimes I would back the cassette up and listen to it again. It's uh, the song says a lot without any words. Instrumental, it just has such power to it. Uh, when it kicks in, like it, it's got it opens with that. I think it's a melodica. Um, it is a melodica, and it sounds very pretty. And that bass, the bass tone's really good. That doo doo, and the guitar is just kind of strumming. Um, but in the second half, when it kicks in, and you've got Roddy fooling into the keyboards, the guitars come in, uh, and then it kind of soars. It's just, there's nothing like it. It's a very, it, sta- it's, it, it starts off very peaceful and it just ends up soaring. Really good rising action. Very emotional sounding to me. The song's always made me feel emotional in the best way. It has that riding off into the sunset, midnight cowboy, a vibe to it. Um, I, it's great. It's great for a record that what I love about this record is this record feels very cohesive to me. Uh, their next album is a little bit more schizophrenic. 
It's also a good record. Spoilers. But this one just feels good to me, the way it fits together. And those last two tracks before it kind of descend into this madness. And then I feel like a peaceful, but grand and epic sounding uh, instrumental song is the perfect way to close this record. It's just puts the cherry on top. Um, and Mark, this was written by John Barry. You're thinking of Burt Bacharach because of their cover of the skies in love with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, either way, uh, this song is a great way to close the record. And, uh, actually on this guy in lo- is in love with you. There's also some great melodica work. So Mike Patton and the melodica is a wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, Midnight Cowboy, it's a little capper for this particular song. Roddy Bottom says, uh, it's, we're going to come out real soon with an EP of music for elevators. And it just shows the range of this particular band. I, uh, I, I quite enjoy this. I think sometimes they kind of use this for an opener when they come out and play live. It's, uh, it, it, it's one of those like, uh, clarion calls for faith, no more fans, um, midnight cowboy. They do it well. They do it right. Um, speaking of speaking of, it's great. Before we rank the album, I didn't mean to step in you, Mark. Mark said it's great. Um, Mark and I saw them live when they reunited. Did you ever see them, Greg? No, and unfortunately, have never had the chance. Uh, I've seen Mister Bungle uh, a couple times. Um, <laughs> even got to. Uh, ask Mike Patton if we could send him a demo, which was the dumbest thing to ask him. But, um, of course, of course he just said, he just shrugged and said, yeah, of course. And I was like, cool. I'm just going to go jump in a dumpster real quick. But yeah. So yeah. Um, the, unfortunately I'd never gotten to see faith no more. I, I wish I had, um, cause yeah, that, that, that would be, that'd be fantastic. But, I had some Mike Patton run-ins that I'll save for the next episode. So uh, you're just going to have to listen and find out about them, Greg. But I'm glad to know I'm in good company as a a 20-something doing the Chris Farley routine with Mike Patton. Well, that's fantastic. I I am so happy that you were able to join us for this uh, supersized episode of Faith No More's Angel Dust Talk. But it is time to rank the record. So, Greg... Give me your ranking. What do you rank Faith No More? Angel Dust. Out of uh, five uh, many... shovels. Five shovels. Five shovels. Or five, five sho- uh, uh, pockets jingling. I would say uh, 4.5 out of five pockets jingling. Okay. This is definitely my my favorite Faith No More album. Uh, and I mean, I, I've listened to it. it. It's probably in like the top five of like my most listened to albums ever. Um, but st- I mean, yeah, it does still, it does still have some, some low points where it's, uh, uh, div- you know, you, you feel like it, maybe you want to skip crack Hitler. I, that's probably the one that I skip most often. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, it was just such a huge influence. It's it's definitely my favorite uh, of of all the the Mike Patton or sorry, all the Mike Borden uh, drum performances. This is definitely my my favorite. It's got my favorite uh, Mike Borden Faith the More drum parts on here, and and feel that that it was. This is when he really put his, the most like energy and, and creativity into his his drumming and it was a, a really big influence on my my drumming style so yeah uh it, it's a great album it's not it's not perfect but uh it's it's definitely way up there so before i get into eric and steve's ranking for this particular album i would like to know just give me a quick rundown of your one through the end of Faith No More's discography. Just give me the rundown. Number one, what's your favorite Faith No More record? Definitely Angel Dust. Number two. Number one. Number two, I would say, is probably Album of the Year. Hmm. All right. Number three. Uh, the Real Thing. Number four. Um, that's a that's a really tough one. I mean, I, I would say probably Soul Invictus for okay. number okay. Number five. And number five would be um, uh, King for a Day. All right, and then number six is uh, Introduce Yourself. All right, number seven. Yeah. I guess that would be Wake Care a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am shocked that Soul Invictus ranked <laughs> above King for a Day. But uh, <laughs> hey, some people like Dr. Pepper, some people like Mr. Pepper. So <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Uh, not uh, going into the ranking, uh, well, but where do you rank Angel we'll Dust? We'll rank our uh, we do our Patonian episode next. Uh, we'll do our albums, and we also got to remember the episode to talk about Easy, which I wanted to talk about tonight, but it's too late. Um, I give this a four point a four point nine. It's uh, damn near a five. Um, and I don't uh, you know it just it gets. It's a, it's, it's a very, it's 4.9 on quality, a five on influence. Uh, this record is highly influential. Um, the songs are great. It does, it doesn't immediately, it immediately grabs you, but I think it takes a few listens for it to sink in how good it is, but, uh, that's not a knock against it. It's just a calm. It's, it's, it's challenging. It's a challenging record. Um, but if you set the nostalgia aside, I think it stands up pretty well. We'll see that in a second with whatever the hell Eric gives it. Um, there are some dated samples, but that's a my favorite phrase, a feature, not a bug. I don't knock Prime Depeche Mode for sounding like it was recorded in 1986. I'm not going to knock this record for having some Casio tones from 92. Uh, the musicianship is amazing. The bass tones are amazing. And uh Patton's vocal stylings I feel this is where you really discover what he can do and he discovered what he could do as well. Uh the the riffs are fucking awesome. Jim Martin, great guitar solos. I wish we could have stuck around and see what he would do next, but what are you going to do? 
a magical record. The album cover, we didn't even talk about it. That's an iconic album cover. That album cover is great. Just that swan. For some reason, that's that album cover fits this record so well. Um, and I like I like the fact that they had such balls to release it. They could have made the real thing part two and made a lot of money. Instead, they did this. They stayed true to themselves. Um, Mike Borden said, uh, we made a lot of stupid mistakes, but we were real. We were honest. I really like it. And when we signed off on it, we were happy. I thought I can live with this, however things go. And, you know, honestly, I can still live with it. People tell me that it's a record that changed their lives, that opened their minds. I think we did well. And that's true. This is a life-changing record for some people. And that's awesome. Um, damn good album. 4.9. All right, 4.9. Um, a lot of points I certainly agreed with Stephen on. Eric, as the uh, more virgin to the histronics of Mike Patton, what are you giving this one? Uh, where were we doing? Jingling pockets, jingle, jingling pocket. What is this? Pockets a holdover jingling. from the Tom Waits episode? <laughs> pockets jingling. How many pockets jingling? Okay. <laughs> How many pockets jingling are you giving? This? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so for me, um, you know, I don't always reach, reach for this genre of rock. Um, no good reason why modern I just, rock, you know, don't, but, uh, and I'm not a total virgin, as we'll talk about in the next episode, to Mike Patton. Um, but I would say that all the things I like about him are present on this record. Um, the things that I'm not crazy about are not present on this record, which is great. The musicianship is Chef's Kiss, spectacular. Um, and the production is really good, which uh, keeps you know a lot of the tracks interesting with how rich and layered the the production is um there are some songs that uh if i listen to on their own i wouldn't necessarily have a lot to say but when you buy into the whole album experience there's a lot of treasure in every track um but you know you're kind of gotta dig in for the whole experience um and so with all that i would say i've got 3.75 pockets jingling uh for me um, I think this is a very, very quality record um, that appeals to many of my sensibilities. Uh, not all of them, but many of them. So Eric has proven that it doesn't have enough tin can vocals. So that's why it gets a 3.75 versus Stevens 4.9. <laughs> and uh, Greg certainly scored it uh, very more than above average. But fellas, there is a reason why Mike Patton is one of my guys. And one of the reasons is this goddamn album. This is a 5.0 motherfucking album. This is Angel Dust, guys. This gets you fucking really high. And it's a great <laughs> yep. goddamn it's album. Great. It, gets you high. It's great. it is great. It, is, it, is it, great. it takes you on a journey. Mike Patton like firmly and fiercely takes the captain's uh, wheel on this record and it really steers his career from here on out. Um, There's signs of trickling in Mr. Bungle. If you look at the 
like the the past uh faith no more albums it all starts from here this is the nexus point this is where bruce mccullough from uh kids in the hall is kissing the record and says this is the departure point folks angel dust is a 5.0 record even though there is some dregs on this album the high highs of this record elevates it to a certain level that makes me appreciate Mike Patton and everything else that follows um, into the breach. Once more at Dunkirk, ale boy, <laughs> this well, is where Mark into a it happens. So that, that works. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go on, go on to the end. We'll go on to the dead crosses. We will even listen to the uh, the lovages. Um, the masters of our fate. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it, it is. It is though the the, the I, stars. I don't know what to tell you, folks, but this is where it begins. I can't even. So. I'm jealous of those that were alive at the time and heard this when it first came out. I would have shot a brick. Like, uh, like I like I said, I heard uh, midlife crisis on the radio, but I was like eleven or twelve. I didn't go buy this the, the week. Like I, if I was a record collector, if I was 15 years old and I got this, I would have fucking had a, a field day with what my ears were hearing back then. It's uh, it's great. It's, it's well ahead of its time. And it, it is such a, a landmark album in its catalog for both faith and more and Mike Patton. So angel dust gets a perfect score for me. Five. Pockets jingling for, for me. Argue. Um, well, I, I can't say it enough, Greg, but thank you so much for spending four hours with Eric and me and Steve. Yeah, is- uh, I'm probably going to have to cut this massive episode into no, two episodes. Definitely. And then we're also going to have to feature a Mike Patton and uh, Faith No More discography. Yeah. So it's going to be a mini season there on this. Go. But thank you, thank you, thank you for all the work that you do for this podcast and your input on tonight's episode. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank. Thanks for having me on here. This is great to finally like chat with all of you guys. I mean, I, I've uh, I've known of you guys and uh, and have met some of you many years ago, but never really had the chance to actually like sit and chat about the shit that we love. So this is, this is great. Greg, thanks for, (laughs) thanks for stopping by. I wish we had time to hear your opinions and some other Patonian related things, especially easy, but uh, not tonight. Yeah. Your window's closed. Your window's closed, Greg. Thanks. And I'll look forward to your next artwork. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Greg. All right. With that, we hope that you brought we brought you closer uh, to junk. There you go. (laughs) But I just can't stand the pain. Girl, I'm leaving you tomorrow. Seems to me, girl, you know I've done all. You see a big stone on the barrel. Yeah, it's why me. I'm easy like Sunday morning.